book of Psalms, chapter 27, um, and uh, verses one through three. The Bible says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Okay. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, amen, and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. When the wicked, even mine enemies, and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Now, um, Let's dig right into the word of God. Last week, we uh, wrapped up a uh, partial study on, uh, well, on, um, on verse number two. We talked about the wicked, okay? And we talked about the enemies and we talked about uh, the foes. And those of you who uh, were here uh, on last week, then you are aware, you should have notes uh, from that. Um, we talked about um, who these individuals are. We talked about these three, uh, these three groups because we discovered, we learned that they are different, okay? They don't have to always be one and the same. So when David was saying, when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me, he wasn't necessarily, um, in, it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to, uh, it, to be all one particular group. Now, in this particular case, um, uh, David is referring to, um, is, is speaking in reference to those enemies, those physical enemies that challenge or that were after him. So he was talking about it in the physical sense. But when you get into the word, when you get into the scripture and begin to break it down, you begin to understand that these three different words actually reference or can reference three different groups. And that's important to know. That's important to know because why? Because we are sometimes, as the scripture says, we're troubled on every side. Sometimes uh, problems, situations, circumstances that we uh, that are not favorable to us, or at least we don't feel that they're favorable to us. Sometimes things happen and life has a way of getting going. Amen. And when it does uh, and when it gets going, um, um, it, it, it can spin out of control. And we can find ourselves almost feeling uh, besieged or attacked on many different ways or on many different levels. Sometimes it's not always somebody doing something specifically to us, but then sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just us being the recipient because we live in this fallen world. You got to understand, brothers and sisters, we live in a fallen world, a world that is impacted by sin. And because this world is fallen, because it is impacted by sin, it is not possible for us to go through this life and never feel the impacts or feel uh, the um, feel uh, the weight of sin as it weighs down heavy on society and in this world. In other words, the things that happen, even if you are not actively engaged in sin, and amen, I pray that you are not. I pray that none of us are actively engaged in sin. But even though you may not presently be engaged in sin or doing something that is wrong, because you live in this world that is fallen and that is sin sick, just laden with sin, you're going to feel the effects of it, okay? The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death. 
And so in this world, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You're walking through this world, and in this world, you are always in the presence of the shadow of death. So the effects of this death that is brought about by sin will impact you and I. There are just going to be those times. So you don't have to be presently engaged in doing something wrong. And amen, we should not be. But just because that is, it won't mean that you're going to be able to live in some sort of bu uh, bubble that is devoid of being touched um, or impacted or feeling the weight or the pressure of sin. No, you're going to feel that, okay? You're going to, it's going, you're going to be grieved. You're going to be upset. You're going to be disappointed. And all of these things are going to happen. Now, we talked about that A portion of verse number two of, of Psalms 27. It says, when the wicked, even mine enemies <clears throat> and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fail. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot um, going on. When we ended last week, we talked about that last group, the foes, okay? And, and we discovered that the foes, when we start talking about the foes, that's really, that really is talking about <clears throat> one's personal enemy, okay? Um, as in someone that is, uh, um, that is dangerous because of treachery. So this is a person, when we start talking about a foe, when David says, my foes, all right? He's talking about personal enemies, those who got a personal vendetta, a personal grudge against him, those who have a specific problem with him. The problem is not in general. So he's not, he's not, he's not talking about just the uh, splash damage. In other words, I'm feeling the effects of, of something that's happening around me. That's what you get when we talk about the enemies. The enemies can just be those, because remember we said enemies really means the opposition, okay, or adversaries or, and what it means, but, but that opposition or those adversaries don't have to necessarily be targeting you, okay? It could just be their behavior and the way that they are, that they're, that they are living, the way that they're operating, and that becomes antagonistic and it becomes problematic to you. So you, though they're not directing it specifically to you, okay? They're not necessarily directing what uh, they're trying to do or the wickedness that they're up to specifically towards you. They're operating in wickedness and evil just in general. And because you happen to be in the vicinity or uh, in the area, right, you find yourself being impacted by that, okay? But when you start talking about foes, you're talking about those who take it a step further. So this is not that person, all right? This is not that person who um, is just doing something in general and it affects you. This is the person, this is the one that is specifically against you, the one who is coming after you, right? So we learned that and we talked about those. And so we've got two studies on that all together. And, and, and if you don't have it, the links are available for you. So you can download those and you can brush up on and get familiar with, with that. But now let's look at that B portion of Psalms 27. Um, verse two, okay, that says, they came upon me to eat up my flesh, all right? The enemy came upon me, right? The wicked, even my enemies, my foes, what did they do? Came upon me to eat up my flesh, right? But when they did so, the Bible says they stumbled and failed, all right? Now, when we talk about the, when we, the phrase, they came upon me to eat up my flesh, let's dig into that. When we talk about the enemy coming upon us, all right, the sense 
that we're using or that is being used in the text is that of moving towards or near something, okay? So this phrase, brothers and sisters, refers to opposition getting close to you. Now, this is important because we're talking about the enemy getting close to you, right? We are not talking about, or it does not refer to the enemy overtaking you. So when David says, when the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me, what did they come upon me for? To eat up my, eat up my flesh, all right? He says, when they came upon me, he's telling you when they got close to him. He's not telling you that they, he's not saying that the enemy was able to achieve their goal. Amen. And glory to God, right? He's not saying that they were all on me. What he's saying is, is that they got close to me. Okay. An example of this type of getting close would be that of Joseph's brothers when they conspired against him. Look at Genesis chapter uh, 36, verses 16 uh, through 17. Uh, Genesis uh, chapter 37, okay? Verses 16 through 30, uh, 16 and 17, rather. And the Bible says, and he said, I seek, uh, and he said, I seek my brother and tell me, I pray thee where they feed their flocks. This is Joseph talking. And they said they are departed hence. This is the response he's getting back. They are departed hence. For I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. Okay. So he's wondering where they, where, where, where they are. Okay. They're, they're, they're not on, they're, they're, they're not right there with him. Okay. And he wants to know where, where they are, okay? And so, so, and so they're close by, they're near, they're, they're, they're in the vicinity, so to speak, or they're not that far away, but they are not exactly where you are right now, okay? Um, this same kind of concept is, is used yet again in the book of Exodus, all right? Chapter three, verses number five, all right? Here it is. You have the same concept of getting close to something. And that's what we're talking about, this concept of closeness that the Bible is presenting, that David is talking about, is akin to the same type of closeness that you find in Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. And this is concerning the burning bush. You hear this, the Lord speaking. He says, and he said, draw not nigh hither. That means don't get close. Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. The Lord told Moses, he says, do not draw nigh hither. That means don't get close. So the type of closeness that David is talking about here is simply that of getting near. It's not that the enemy, when the Bible says the enemy came upon me, that don't mean they jumped on me. That don't mean that, that their plan came to fruition. No, it just means that they got close to me. The, the plan got near me. Their intention got near me, but it did not overtake me. Then we have the phrase to eat up my flesh. So we know that the enemy got close and David's talking about that, saying that enemy got close. And then he says they came for a reason. There was a purpose. What was that purpose? The purpose was to eat up his flesh. Now, obviously, the Bible is against cannibalism, so the Bible is not talking about that. 
So if your mind kind of went towards that, um, you want to go ahead and distance your thinking from that. The Bible's not talking about cannibalism, not talking about people coming to eat other people. But this phrase is used as a word picture, okay? And the picture that is meant uh, to be set in your mind or what the writer here wants you to have in your mind, the picture that you should have in your mind um, when you, uh, uh, is that of uh, the picture of an animal, okay? That after having stalked its prey, it begins to devour it, okay? So it's not, uh, not people eating people, no. It's not cannibals. It has nothing to do with that, all right? But the mindset that he wants you to get it, but the picture he wants you to get in your mind is that of an animal that has stalked its prey, okay? And is now devouring it. First Peter 5 and 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, who? The devil, is as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And that is the concept that he wants you to have in mind. That's the concept that you and I are supposed to have in mind when we talk about to eat up my flesh, okay? So not to naturally consume someone, but, but, but you know, in the, uh, or people, but that, that not, 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 not to consume them naturally, okay? But to consume them um, uh, mentally, or physically or spiritually, okay? And, and, and it's the same way. If you take that mind, if you take 1 Peter 5 and 8 and you keep that in mind, then you have an understanding of, the, of what God is going for through the writer when he talks about they came to eat up my flesh, okay? Our adversaries in this world desire to consume the people in every way. And that's just something we got to make peace with. We got to understand that. The devil, unclean spirits, the wicked, this world, it has a desire. And that desire is to consume the people in every way, to consume you in every area, mentally, physically, and spiritually. When how does he, the word, how does, how does this consuming take place in the mental arena? Mentally, we are consumed by overwhelming distractions and misplaced focus. Mentally, we are consumed when we adopt a mindset of laziness. And when we decide that we are unwilling to fulfill our duties and responsibilities. Look at Psalms 119. I want you to look at verses 36 and verse 37. Psalms 119, verse 36 and 37. The Bible says this, incline my, my ear unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Let me read that verse 36 again. Incline, incline means bow down, bend down low. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me 
in the way. Incline my heart unto my testimonies and not to my covet and not to covetousness and 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 turn my eyes away from beholding vanity that's that's the distraction and that's what the songwriter is talking about there god turn me away god turn my mind away from the distraction lord grab hold of my focus and and my attention and get it off of the things that it shouldn't be take it off of covetousness that's my, my my own desire to to have what everyone else has and and i'm not satisfied with what i have and I, and i gotta have more and i gotta and i gotta pursue more and i have to acquire more and he's saying turn me away from that incline my heart bend my heart down low away from that and uh, and bend it unto your testimony so that what i want to hear is what you have to say that my focus is on you he says turn my eyes away from beholding vanity that means vanity simply means that which is empty okay that which has no value and the song writers here is saying turn my eyes away from that from beholding vanity so in other words change my mind or change my focus so that i am not constantly looking at the things that have no value the things that are unright amen look at galatians chapter 5 verse 7 galatians chapter 5 verse 7 says ye did run well who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth look at paul talking to the galatian church you did run well you started out good you you were on your way you're getting where you were supposed to be you're headed in the right direction this is what he's saying but then he says but who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth in other words what paul was saying you were going in the right direction. How is it that you got distracted? That's what he means when he says, who did hinder you? Who distracted you? Who took your focus off of heaven? Who took your focus off of holiness? Who took your focus off of being right before God? Who took your focus off of the things of God, off of the kingdom of God, off of the ways of God, the testimony of God, the truth of God, who took your attention? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Look at Galatians, look at Colossians chapter 3. Verse number 2 says this: Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Set them on things above. Set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. That again is talking about your attention, your affection. That means what your heart desire. Amen. What, what's on, what is it that you're after? Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. When our mind is on the things of the earth, brothers and sisters, it means that we are operating or existing in a state of distraction. Amen. But he says, set your affection on things above and not on things of this earth. The world desires to consume us. Look at Luke chapter 10. Amen. 
verses 38 through 42, talking about the being consumed mentally, okay? Because then when you're talking about being consumed mentally, again, you're talking about being you're talking about being distracted or overwhelming distractions. You're talking about a focus that is misplaced. We're talking about a mindset that is lazy and that is unwilling to fulfill duties and responsibilities. That happens because we're unfocused, that because we are, we have become distracted. But the word of God says this in the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Now it came to pass as he went, that he entered into a certain village. We're talking about Jesus here. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Watch what happens. Amen. And she said, excuse me, and she had a, a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So her sister, so Mary, the sister of Martha is at the feet of Jesus and she's listening to Jesus talk. Then look at what happens in verse number 40. But Martha was so cumbered about much serving and came to him. Who did she come to? To Jesus. And said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, look at this, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Distraction, distraction. The world will consume you. The Bible says, David said, they came upon me to eat up my flesh. The enemy, the, the, the world seeks to eat up your flesh or to consume you by way of mental distraction overwhelming distractions, misplaced focus. The world also wants to consume us physically and spiritually. Amen. Spiritually, I'm going to deal with that one first, and then I'm going to deal with physically. Spiritually, the world or the enemy wants to consume us. And the way that the enemy does this, consumes us spiritually, is by way of numbing us to the reality of God's presence and the danger, the very real danger, that is hell. So the enemy, this world, seeks to consume us spiritually by numbing us to the reality of God's presence, ignoring the fact that God is real, putting aside the fact that God is holy, numbing us to the reality of God's presence and to the reality of God and, and numbing us to the real danger that is hell. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. The Bible says this, starting at verse number 3. And going into verse number four, 2 Corinthians chapter four, verses four, three through four. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Watch this, verse number four. In whom the God of this world hath what? 
blinded the minds of them which believe not. Why did he do it? Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The world wants you so consumed that you ignore the fact that God is real. God is holy and God is calling for righteousness. He wants you and I to ignore the fact that, that we gonna have to answer for the sins and the crimes that we commit. He wants us to be, to, to be oblivious and to walk in negligence and willful naivety, if you will, of, uh, and walking in our own lusts, in our own desires and in our own way. Why does he want us to do that? Because he wants us to remain blinded to the reality of God. He wants you to be blinded to salvation. He don't want you to know that salvation is an option. He wants you to think that nothing, there is no option. He wants you and I to think and to be caught up in our own I, me, and my. Why? Because if I stay in I, me, and my, then I will ignore the reality that I've got to make sure my soul is right with God. Are you distracted today? Is, is the Lord, is, 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 is the Lord been talking to you, but you haven't been listening because you are distracted or because you have become numb to God's presence? The only thing that matters to you is what you want, what you're doing? Is only your will and your way the only thing that 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 gets center stage in your life? Or are, are, are you are you walking in willful negligence, ignoring the fact that God is real? The fact that without holiness, no man shall see God. We love to entertain the idea, the concept that we can live any kind of way and still make it to God. But the reality is, is that that's a lie. You and I cannot live any kind of way and still get heaven. Now, the next thing that I want to talk about is the physical part. And I want to talk about this because we're going to get into something here. And, I, and, I'm a, and, I, and uh, physically, this world, the enemy wants to consume us, not just mentally. Okay, so you're so distracted not just spiritually, so that you don't be saved, but he also wants you physically. And he does this by way of encouraging us to undertake practices and habits that are unhealthy, could be anything. Taking care of yourself, bad eating, doesn't matter what it is, being unhealthy, all the way to suicide. The enemy wants to take you out physically. So he don't mind you drinking yourself to death. I want you to hear what I say. The enemy don't mind you smoking yourself to death. He don't mind you shooting yourself up with, with, with drugs and all that stuff to death. He don't mind all that. He don't mind you. He don't mind that at all. Not at all. He also don't mind you overeating so that you become so unhealthy that that takes you out. You don't mind that. No, 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 no. So if he got to fan the flame of your appetite, 
And you better understand something. Gluttony is a sin. Amen. And it's nothing that we don't, we don't, we don't always talk about. But I'm going to deal right with all of that today. Unhealthy habits. From substance abuse to, to, to unhealthy eating, even all the way to, and sadly, suicide. The enemy is absolutely all about that. The enemy loves that. And he will absolutely use that. Yesterday, I was in study and I was in prayer. And the, the Spirit of the Lord directed me to some scriptures. And as I made my way into these scriptures, I was studying one thing. The Lord began to talk to me and to share some things with me concerning the concerning suicide and the realities of it and the depths of it. You don't hear a lot of people preaching and teaching on that, but we're going to address that today. As the day progressed, as the day went on, I began to get multiple reports, not just one, multiple reports of those who had recently committed suicide. And when those reports began to come through yesterday, it snapped into focus what God was doing early in that day when he took my attention. I want to take a minute and I want to deal a little bit about this because the enemy wants to consume you physically as well. And I want to deal with suicide in particular for just a moment. So bear with me. And, and, and in the course of this, um, I want you to, sh you might not necessarily be dealing with it, but if, if you know somebody, share the message. Suicide is, or the reality of suicide is that it is a favorite tactic of the enemy. I'm going to say that again. I am going to say that again. Suicide is a favorite tactic of the enemy. He loved that one. He loves that one. He loves it. He loves to use it and will pull that tool out of his repertoire, out of his toolbox, every chance he gets. The enemy will try to pry open that door every moment you and I give him the opportunity to do so. The enemy loves to use suicide. So much so that if, if he, the devil, will attempt to use it on Jesus, then brothers and sisters, he has absolutely no problem with pulling that out and trying to use it against you. If he don't respect God enough to try to use it on him, how much more do you think the devil is going to play fair when it comes to you and your life? Turn to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. The Bible says this in Matthew 4, 1 through 10. 
Then said Jesus, excuse me, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So get the stage right. Jesus is getting ready to enter this period of tempting. Verse number two. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. So he's gone through this fasting period. And now the body is in a weakened state. And that will happen when you fast correctly. Amen. When you fast correctly, it will weaken the body naturally or physically. And the Bible says in verse two of chapter four, Matthew, that he was a hunger. Verse three. And when the tempter came to him, I want you to look at the, look at the language of the scripture. And when the tempter came to him, notice the tempter came in a weakened state. The tempter came when he was not at it, when he was physically not in tip top formation. I want you to understand because you're learning about the character of Satan. See, if you don't know how Satan moves, you're not going to be prepared when he does move. You're not going to know how to counteract it when he moves. And I want to tell you right now, everything that you need to counteract the devil has been given to you, but you got to understand how the enemy works. The enemy came when he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. So here he comes to God because Jesus is God. But the devil ain't got no respect for that. And if he don't have respect for God himself, brothers and sisters, don't expect him to have respect for you. He's not going to all of a sudden start playing fair because of who you are and what you accomplished. I want to tell you something. The devil does not like you. And the sooner you and I wake up and stop playing games with the devil, you'll be able, I'll be able to overcome these unnecessary schemes and scams of his that many people, unfortunately, get caught up in. The devil has no respect. And he came to God, came to Jesus and commanded and challenged him on the grounds of his identity. Suicide. The message, the propaganda message of suicide is effective when you don't know who you are. When you got no idea who you are, then it is not possible for you to understand truly the depths of your value. You don't know how much you matter when you don't know who you are. And it takes God to truly give you who you are. Do you hear Jesus telling Peter, and thou art Peter, and upon this rock I shall build my church. He gave him an identity. Glory to God. So here he is in verse number four. He says, and he answered, and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and sitteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto them, watch this, the audacity of the devil. If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. 
Now, I said I was going to go all the way through verse 10, but actually, I'm going to stop right for this section. I'm going to stop right there at verse number six. Look at the language. He said, if you be the son of God, cast thyself down. What was he doing? What was the devil up to? He was telling Jesus to commit suicide. I hope you hear it. I hope you see it. And I want you to pay attention to it and get this message. Even if you are not the one dealing with it per se, or you know somebody, get the message. Listen, the devil has no respect, not even for God himself. So much so that he would come to God and tell him and, and suggest to him that he kill himself. Do you see the ridiculousness? Do you see the audacity? Do you see the utter boldness? Do you see the lack of shame that the devil has that he would come to Jesus in Matthew 4 and 6 and tell him to cast himself down? If the devil, brothers and sisters, would suggest or even tell God Commit suicide. How much more will he do the same to you and I? How much more will he use this tactic on us if he don't have respect for God? Brothers and sisters, he don't have respect for you. Why does the devil and unclean spirits, why do they love this so much? Why do they love the tactic of suicide so much? They love it, brothers and sisters, because when they use it successfully, when the devil uses it successfully, it removes us as a threat to him and his kingdom. See, when the devil can talk you into taking your own life, then he no longer has to worry about you making a mess of his plans. See, the devil will sell the lie to build the case to justify a person taking their life by building the erroneous concept that you don't matter. Glory to God, we exposing it, we are exposing it. He will perpetuate propaganda and lie to you and do everything that he can to get you to think that your life does not matter and that if you were not here it would go on just the same and so the enemy wants you to think that you don't matter to everybody around you when the truth is 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 that the only one that you don't matter to is really the devil himself. See, it's not that you don't matter or one does not matter to those around them. It's that you don't matter to the devil. And because you don't matter, because I don't matter to the devil, the devil wants you gone by any means necessary. Why? Because he knows if you ever get your head around the value that you have, if you understand the purpose that God has put in you, if you begin to understand that if God didn't have a value or a purpose,
purpose or a plan for you. He would not have created you. The devil wants you to ignore and move away from that. Why? Because you and I are nothing more than a piece on a board game. And his objective is to remove you from the board. I know that's in, we're just getting right to it today. We're just dealing right with it because I need us to understand. God wants us to understand that the devil is after your soul. And if he got to sell the lie that you don't matter, he'll sell that instead of coming and telling you the truth in that he don't like you because that's what it is. It's not that you others don't like you. It's not that you don't matter to anybody else. It's that the devil don't like you. And it's that you don't matter to the devil. And guess what? You ain't going to start mattering to the devil. The devil wants your testimony silenced. The devil wants the impact that you have because the Bible says that he that when his souls is wise, the devil wants you off of the board by any means necessary because as long as you exist, you are a threat to his kingdom. See, you have the ability to upset his plans. So he don't want that. That's why he loved that. That's why he loves that. That's why he loves that. What makes the words of suicide so strong? What makes it, what makes that message so strong? What, what, how, why is that, that, that propaganda, why does that work so much? Why does that work so seemingly well? See, the, the propaganda message of suicide reaches maximum impact in an environment of hopelessness. I'm going to say it again. The message of suicide, the message, the propaganda message, the lie of a message that says you don't matter, that says you're better off dead, that, you, that, that, that whole lie finds maximum effectiveness when it is placed in an environment of hopelessness. Why? Because hope negates or nullifies the message of suicide. Um, we're going right after. We're just going right after it. We're going to build this case because the devil has lied long enough. And I want you to have something you can take and share with somebody who has been teetering on the edge, who's been dealing with that and all of these things and feeling like it's not going to work. It's going to get better. I'm telling you that in Jesus name. It's only the devil that wants us to think that it won't change. Hope negates or nullifies the message of suicide. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Turn to Romans chapter 15 and 12. We just tackling it. We just going, we, we, I know we, 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 we're in songs, but we just taking a segue here, but we you know what, but we're going to beat this devil into the ground. This message here, look at not, no, 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 no. I, 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 I'm tired of losing brothers and sisters and old ones and young ones to the lie that is the enemy. See, listen, you got to understand something. The devil knows that when it comes to suicide, you cannot come back from that. What do you mean? Well, of course, obviously, Brother Walker, if you, if you, if a person commits suicide, they're dead. You don't understand what I'm saying. So let me make it plain to you. 
The Bible tells us that no murderer and no thief shall inherit the kingdom of God. You can't, no, 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 no. No thief, no murderer inherits the kingdom of heaven. Not possible. It's not possible. And you got to understand, the devil knows this. The devil knows this. To make it more plain, when you a person commits suicide, they end their story on the note of a murderer or and a thief. And God has said that no murderer and no thief is going to inherit it. See, this is why this is heavy. This is why you got to understand the game that the devil is, is playing. Listen, you can be on your way to heaven. But if you get distracted and you begin to buy into the lie that is suicide, suicide will cause you to cancel your flight. Somebody don't believe it. Somebody does not believe it. First Corinthians chapter three, look at verse 16 and 17. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. There is a value to you even if you don't yet see it yourself. God said, you are my home. You are my house. You are my temple. You have a purpose. You have a value. Verse number 17. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Why? For the temple of God is what? Holy. Which temple ye are? The word here, defileth, means to corrupt or to destroy. So it means it not just in the spiritual sense, but it means it also in the physical sense. And what the word, this is what the Bible teaches about suicide. I know it's not what people want to hear, but you've got to hear what the word of God says because you've got to be, listen, you've got to run with fear away from this thing. The devil wants people to end their lives. Why? Because he knows that if you do that, you ain't going to make it to heaven. So it's not just the natural death, but you're going to suffer the second death, the death of the spirit. Why? Because you have stolen from God and you have committed murder. You have defiled the temple. You have rendered it useless. There no more. No more souls, no more can be saved, no more people can be helped by your precious life because you took what did not belong to you. The devil knows this. This is why he working so hard. This is why he working so hard. And the devil knows this. And this is why many times people who end up, in, you know what I'm saying, committing suicide prior to it or leading up to it, you always, you know what I'm saying? There, there, one thing that it seems to be consistent is, is that somewhere along the line, they began to entertain hopelessness. Hope negates or nullifies the message 
of suicide. That is why the devil wants people to feel like it's utterly hopeless. Hope is so powerful and so absolutely negates the message of suicide. So much so that God Almighty makes sure that you and I have an ample supply of hope. Amen. He makes sure that you have more than enough. Romans 15, 12, Bible says this. And again, Esaias, that means Isaiah, say it. There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Verse number 12. In fact, let me, let me do this. Let me back up just, let me back up just, a, just, a, uh, just, just a moment here. I want you to go to, um, and let me, let me do this. I'm going to back up uh, uh, a scripture here or so. Um, and again, Isaiah said, well, I'm going to start there. There shall be a root of Jesse. And he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope, look at the language, look at verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. What is he talking about? What is Paul talking about here? Now the God of hope. So number one, God is hope. Where's my hope? I don't. I feel like I. I don't have any hope. It don't. You know, tomorrow seems bleak. It seems like I can't provide. I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm not going to be able to take. Life is hopeless. Number one, you need to understand something about hope. Hope is in God. God is hope. He is the God of hope, and true hope comes from God. Are you missing hope? Are you trying, are you finding it hard to look on the bright side? If you are finding it hard to look on the bright side, brother, you sister, it's time to start looking at God because God is the God of hope. Now look at what Paul says. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The hope that you get with hope comes joy and peace, and you get it or you obtain it by believing. That's what he's telling you. That's what he is telling you. The God of hope, watch this, fill you. He's saying, I want him to fill you. God, fill you. This God of hope who gives you a better outlook for tomorrow, who tells us and convinces us that life is still worth living, that God gives us joy and peace. How does he do it? He gives it to us when we believe. Why does he do it? That ye may abound in hope. Now notice the language. Abound means to thrive. It means to live in. And I told you the message of hope negates the, the, the propaganda of suicide. God, when you believe, he fills you with hope and joy. When your focus is on God, he fills you with hope and joy. When your mind is set on God, he fills you with hope and joy. 
so much so that you are able to abound in it, or in other words, you are able to live in it. How is it possible? By way of the Holy Ghost. That's what God does. God gives peace and joy when your mind is on him. That's why the devil wants to consume you mentally and consume you spiritually. Because if he can get you mentally, if he can distract you spiritually, then he's going to go full speed ahead to get you physically. Not hoping that you will be unaware that God has put precautions, safety mechanisms in the word of God to protect you from the spirit of suicide or that feeling of suicide. What did he give you? He gave you hope. What are you saying? I'm telling you, God, in essence, what Romans 15 and 13 is telling you is God has given you him. That's, that's, the, that's really what it is. He is the God of hope. And he gives you joy and peace when you believe. And when you believe, you begin to live in the hope that is God. Glory to God. By the power of the Holy Ghost, which really is simply saying by God Almighty, it's a God thing. It is a God thing. It is a God thing. Brothers and sisters, don't bite that hook. And if you know somebody, I want you to share that. Share the message. The devil wants you to be and I to be numb to the realities of the consequences of suicide. And he wants you to be oblivious to the safety precautions that God has put in place. What precautions? God gave you peace and joy. And you only gave you peace and joy along with that hope, but you only get it through believing. In other words, your mind got to be on him. When you are on God, when you understand, listen, tomorrow, today might not be the best day, but guess what? Today's is going to be, today is going to become, if God bless us, tomorrow's testimony. You persevere and you keep going. And you know that he that has begun a good work will complete it. God's not done. God has the final say. And you got to understand, the Bible says all souls belong to God. Everything and everyone belongs to God. And our lives belong to him. So we don't have the right to just take it. God wants to protect you from the propaganda. But the way he has chosen to do that is by surrounding you in his word and in him. You, and, and, and when you exercise belief in him and in his word, he offloads or downloads joy and peace and hope enough for you to abound in, which means to live in and to thrive in. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. I think we are going to go ahead and stop the recording at this juncture, and then next week we'll pick up um, um, specifically um, and in uh, in Psalms 27, uh, chapter uh, two, um, going and chapter three. Um, but we needed to segue into that because this was very important. 
So we want to go ahead and keep those things in mind. And the next week, we'll, we'll go a little bit further. Wow.